What's the difference between management and leadership? Do you know? Do you care? Here's why you should. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 118. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity, the people side of business. And people are very much involved in both management and leadership. And this is a topic that comes up often in conversations I have with clients on this show. And in fact, I've even mentioned this on the last couple of episodes, this distinction between management and leadership, and had made mention that I was going to tackle this in a future episode, and here it is. The distinction between the two and why it's important for us to know that, and I'm so excited to be able to welcome someone who's an expert in this area, Bill Bliss, and also a member of our community, to join me for the conversation. Before I transition to the interview with Bill, a heads up that at the end of the show, I've got a couple of announcements, and one of them is that episode number 120 that's going to air in two weeks is going to be an all-request question-and-answer show. So if you have a question that you've been burning to ask and would like my perspective on or would like some pointers on different resources or tools and where to go to get some more help on as far as leadership, people, communications, productivity, anything in that umbrella of what we talk about on the show is fair game. So stick around toward the end of the show for information on how to get a question my way. So two weeks from today, I will be taking a whole bunch of questions and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Now, uh, so let me get on to the interview here with Bill. I'm really glad to welcome to the show this week, Bill Bliss. Bill is with Bliss and Associates, and he is a leadership coach for CEOs, CFOs, CMOs, VPs, anything in the CXO category. And he's also a member of the Coaching for Leaders community. Uh, Bill's been listening to the show for oh, about five or six months, and we've connected a few times over email. And I asked Bill to join me for this conversation today on the distinction between leadership and management. Uh, It's a conversation that comes up often when I'm talking with clients and folks in this community about leadership. And I thought it'd be really good for us to have a conversation with someone who knows a whole lot about this. And so, Bill, I'm so glad that you're here to be able to lend some insight on this. Well, thanks, Dave. It's great to be here, and, and I'm excited to have the conversation. Oh, me too. Uh, you know, Bill, I, I mentioned a little bit how we got connected, but maybe you can tell us before we jump into the conversation here, just a little about your background. I'm always so interested in people who are doing coaching and particularly folks like you, Bill, who are advising really senior level folks of how you got into the work you're doing and what brought you to what you're doing today. Well, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, at least it is for me, but um, I'm the early part of my career, so the first dozen years or so, were mainly as a uh, in the HR function, the human resources function, as a manager or director or you know other kind of leader in a variety of different companies. And 
and I would I wasn't the typical HR guy um, or person. I wasn't the one who necessarily quoted all the rules and the policies and and told my internal clients why they couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. I would help them try to figure out how they could do something. Oh, good. And as a result of that, I I I was pretty well regarded by my internal clients, but not so well by my HR colleagues. Oh, interesting. <laughs> tell, tell me about that. Cause... A little, you know, I created a little, uh, there's, a, there's a, a rebel in me, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's really interesting that you say, because I think the HR world has been struggling with this over the years of how to move away from just being a compliance organization. So tell me more about that. Is 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 that something like did that ultimately bring more value into the work that you did or have you leave HR as a result or what? Well, I think both. I think the answer to that, to to those questions is both of those questions is yes. And, and so ultimately after working for four or five different organizations and thinking that I was having great success with the different business people, uh, but not really getting along with my HR colleagues or even my HR managers, for that matter. I, I kind of came to the realization that I might be better off providing this service from the outside rather than the inside. Oh, okay. So I, I was fortunate enough to have one of these organizations provide me with an opportunity to lead, actually create a new company for them. Oh, and interesting. I. I really got the chance to create this company as a consultant and I hired a bunch of, I don't know, 15 or 20 internal people to work on this project with me. And I loved being, having this nomenclature of being a consultant. And I figured, you know, maybe there was a, a, a real way to do this. So in, I, so I've, I've been outside the corporate world uh, officially for about 18 or 20 years. And I've had this uh, Bliss and Associates Inc. company for, I guess, 17 and a half, 18 years. Wow, that's great. Uh, so I've survived a couple of recessions <laughs> and, uh, and keep growing, and it's great. I, 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 I would find it very, very difficult, I think, to go back into a corporation. First of all, before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty here, Bill, I'm just kind of wondering what your thought is on why the distinction matters. I mean, a lot of people use these terms interchangeably. I know I'm guilty of having done it on this show, but I'm also really guilty of doing it with clients and some client organizations who use the terms differently too. Why does the distinction matter? Well, because I think it it matters based on what you expect a leader to do versus what you expect a manager to do. I think it it doesn't have to get any more complex than that. Hmm. Tell me more about that. It's all about expectations. Tell me more. What is, like, how does that play into practice with when you're working with someone as a client and you're walking them through some of these distinctions? How does that help them to be more effective? Well, uh, so let me, let me, uh, let me quote Peter Drucker, who, who I love and loved listening to him. And he would say that, uh, that, Leadership is all about ensuring the right things get done, and managing is all about ensuring things get done right. Mm. I'm sure you've heard that distinction before. I have, yeah. And so that's a, that talks about the results. So what do you expect a leader to do 
You expect a leader to focus on the future, to set a vision, to empower people, to facilitate learning and growth and development, to, uh, and, and certainly to get productivity. All right, so those are some of the things. What you expect a manager to do is to do the things that produce the quality and the correct output, whether that be in a manufacturing organization or a service organization. Got it. So got it. The, the manager plans, the manager delegates, the manager organizes, the manager communicates, the manager motivates, the manager monitors. But they don't do a whole lot of creating. That's what the leader does. And this, now, can people be both managers and leaders at the same time? That's exactly what I was behave. about to ask. Okay. They can behave as in, in those different roles depending on the circumstances that they're in. But they have to realize, am I in a circumstance that requires me to behave as a leader or as a manager? Ah, interesting. Okay, so so I'm I'm naturally one or the other depending on what my my position role responsibility in the organization is how would i know so other than looking on an org chart if i'm someone that's in maybe in a se- mid-level to senior leadership position management position um how would i know well let me quote another mentor of mine john maxwell and he talks about he wrote a book i guess a year or two ago called the five levels of leadership Hmm. Yeah, I've heard Don't of it. Are familiar with that? Yeah, I've heard the name. But the the first level is called the position, and people follow you because they have to. They follow you because the title says that they have to, or your position on the organizational chart says that they have to follow you. Right. The second level he calls permission, and people follow you because they want to follow you. It's all about relationships in that case. The third level is what he calls production. And people follow you because of what you've done for the organization. And in this case, it's all about results. Bringing, leading a team to get high-performing results. The fourth level, which is where a few people get to, is people development. And that's where people follow you because of what you've done for, not for the organization, but for them. It's all about reproduction. And the fifth level, which very few people get to, he calls the pinnacle. And that's where people follow you because of who you are and what you represent. And in this case, you're developing level four leaders. That's what you spend your time on. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So really that fits in with what you would call developing under the leadership activities. Exactly. Got it. So regardless, Dave, of where you are in the organization or the organizational structure, you can be a leader. First of all, you can't be a leader unless people are following you, right? That, that's one of my favorite uh, definitions of leadership, actually, is you know, who's a leader? A leader is someone who has followers. Right. But people, you, you know that you become a leader or you know that people view you as a leader when they willingly follow you rather than compulsively, I don't know if compulsively is the right word, but if they're rather than them being required to follow you. Mm, interesting. So it's a willingness versus a requirement. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So let's take a look at some of these specifics then. 
because I think some of the distinctions you've drawn between these would would really be helpful. By the way, um, Bill sent me this great document on contrasting managing and leading. I didn't ask you this in advance, Bill, but is this something that we could share a version of with the Coaching for Leaders community if we put it up on the website? Or uh, is absolutely? It, oh, okay. by all means. Oh, sure. great, great, awesome. Well, that that'd be great. So what we'll do is we'll put that up, um, and I'll actually create a link for that here and uh, have it here at the end of the show for folks so you can download and get access to it. But you know, one of the things you have on here, Bill, is um, you have empowering under leadership and you have motivating under management. And so to me, like kind of the, the lay person, those terms sound really similar. So what's the distinction between empowerment and motivating? Sure. So empowerment is all about having employees take ownership of a result, not of a task, but as a re- but of a result. Huh. All right, and where motivating is, you know, what are some of the different ways to motivate? You recognize people, you thank them, you 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 recognize uh, the specific, unique personality that they have and what they're interested in, and you try to provide opportunities for them to flourish flourish within that environment. Some people say that money is a motivator, and I've never believed that. Um, that it, I, I never believe that it's that it's a key motivator. It's probably on a list of five. It's probably number four and number five. Yeah, and the research really backs up that that it's it's a problem if it's not sufficient. But once you get to a certain point, it it's not really a key motivator. It does. So you know, as a manager, I can't motivate you to do anything, Dave. I really can't, but I can understand what, if I'm a good manager, I can understand what motivates you because I care about you and I can make sure that you are motivated by the work that I delegate to you. Ah, okay. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense. Okay, good. So that, that makes a lot of sense. The empowering part is really about transferring ownership for, again, for the result not the task. And, and, and I don't know, I'm sure that, that your listeners, I mean, I, I hear this all the time from, um, uh, from kind of generation or baby boomer generation leaders and um, how they're dealing with uh, the millennials. And mm, yeah. um, I mean, that's a totally different mindset. So, and not to overgeneralize and, and, Please, listeners, don't send me a bunch of emails saying that you disagree with this, but <laughs> if, you, if you want to, that's fine. But millennials think they have accomplished the task when they have sent an email to somebody requesting some action. So the, the, the leader comes up to that millennial and says, uh, so Mary, did you fix that problem or did you take care of that issue? Well, yeah, I sent, I sent Charlie an email. He hasn't gotten back to me. And meanwhile, the, the leader is saying, well, that's not taking ownership. That's pushing the ball to somebody else. That's putting the monkey on somebody else's back. Yeah. That's not getting to the result that we talked about. Yeah, and I've, I've heard leaders complain about this aspect, uh, certainly with this generation, but, uh, but across the board of people not having that ownership of you know being very task-oriented or like taking the next step of what they'd be expected to do, but not really working toward the ultimate the ultimate objective and the ultimate goal for the organization. Right. They think from A to A1 to A2 to A3 and then B, 
and then B1, B2, B3, and then C, instead of thinking from A to Z. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you might still do A, B, C steps, but you're ultimately thinking towards Z versus just, okay, what do I need to do to get from A to B in order to make my boss happy today? Right. The accomplishment of the result is not going from A to B. Yeah. The accomplishment of the result is going from A to Z. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Perfect. So you also have, and I think this is probably a distinction too, between empowering, you know, setting that vision where to go and then the delegating that, you know, we actually talked about delegating extensively in the last episode 117. So, so that was kind of the process of, you know, once you've decided where to go, how to actually break that down and figure out how to get there, that planning, the delegation process. But, but you say, you know, leaders are really about setting the vision, setting that broad objective that has a greater good and requires a group of people to accomplish something. Tell me a little bit more about that. Why is that an essential element for a leader? So if you could accomplish something by yourself, you don't need people to follow you. That's the number one distinction. Number two is that that vision has to be someplace off in the future. It doesn't have to be far off, but it has to be somewhere off in the future that will not benefit you as the leader, but benefit the organization more so. So we'll move the organization, whatever organization you're part of, whether that's a, a small subunit, a department, a division, or an entire corporation. It's moving that organizational unit forward and getting people aligned to what that vision is, what that outcome is, what that final result is. And if you could, again, if you could do it on your own, then you're not a leader. You need other people, and you need other people's talents and skills and abilities and time to be able to accomplish this thing. It's much grander than you, um, than you could ever accomplish on your own. Makes a lot of sense. So let's look at two others on the list here. You also have productivity and monitoring on your document, and you have productivity under leadership and monitoring under management. Uh, and again, I think for a lot of us, those words sound similar. What's the distinction there between being productive and monitoring what other folks are doing? Sure. So let me take it from the monitoring point of view first. Monitoring, sure. which is what a manager does, is about setting quality standards. And it's about reviewing performance against those quality standards whether it's a budget, whether it's a, a quality metric, whether it's timing, whatever the standard is, managers monitor people's performance to see if they're meeting the standard. Therefore, if they're meeting the standard, then the task can be accomplished on time within budget in the right amount of quality. Makes sense. Productivity is really about, and I go back to kind of John Maxwell's definition of this and his production level, which is the, uh, the third level, it's all about, you've heard of high-performance work teams, high-performing teams. Well, high-performing work teams are that way because everybody is highly productive. The leader will anticipate obstacles and break down barriers so that his or her people, staff, colleagues, don't get stuck by them. So productivity takes you to places that you wouldn't think possible 
It's also about creating a positive momentum. It's also about driving to solve problems so that problem doesn't happen again, not just fix it for the moment. Oh, got it, got it. So it's really looking at something not only as a fighting a fire necessarily, but really looking more proactively from a prevention standpoint and what, do, what are some of the larger strategic decisions that are made to ensure success going forward. Exactly. And when you have that productivity, it then allows you as the leader to focus on big lines of thinking because you've now freed up the team because you've broken through the obstacles, you've, you've, you've empowered them to solve the problems, you've empowered them to own what it is that they should own, and you've delegated in the right way, even though that's, you know, I call that a management thing, it's, it's, it's still important for a leader to do, but you enable you as the leader not to sit back in your big fancy executive chair with your feet up on your desk, but to spend time thinking about only the things that you as the leader ought to be thinking about, which always about the future. Got it. Got it. And you have communication under both areas, I noticed. And so what's the distinction between how a leader would want to communicate and how a manager would want to communicate? So for the manager, it's all about ensuring that information is shared with those you expect to achieve a particular goal. So your t- it's, it's information shared with your team so they have the right tools, the right resources to accomplish what they need to accomplish. So call this information sharing is that part of communication. Communication for the leader is about facilitating a dialogue so it's not a one-way communication like it is for a manager, but a dialogue implies a two-way communication, right, or multi-way communication. So it's facilitating that dialogue. It's allowing you as the leader to not be the smartest person in the room. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's giving yourself permission to not be the smartest person in the room. And ultimately, it's about making sure that everybody connected, so it's staff, it's customers, it's peers, it's other stakeholders, are all aligned with where you as the leader want to go. Mm, got it. So this communication for a leader is about getting people who are not just on your staff, but all throughout the organization aligned. And not assuming that you have the right answer either as the leader, but that you're creating the space where the best answers can emerge regardless of where they're coming from. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Yes. Cool. So, um, so I guess this brings me this is, a, this is a fantastic document so I'm, I'm hoping people grab this um in fact let me just create a link right now let's uh let's do this at coachingforleaders.com slash lvm as in leadership versus management so coaching okay. coachingforleaders.com slash lvm for those of you who are listening uh those of you who subscribe to the weekly update you'll get the link in your uh, email this week of course um so Grab the document for sure. So I guess this kind of brings me back to one of my first thoughts here, Bill, is, okay, so I'm I'm in this role. How do I know when I should be doing one or the other? You know, what are the times I should, I, you know, when do I want to be? Because, you know, I'm going to need to do both. If I'm in a some sort of a management role, there's times I'm going to probably want to lead. There's probably times I'm going to need to manage. Um, what are things I should be thinking about? Well, <clears throat> I think that one of the key distinctions is 
um, what's the situation you're in? So are you in a crisis, have to get it done now situation, or are you in a more of a strategic situation? And strategic meaning, you know, kind of, again, forward thinking, doesn't have to be fixed today or tomorrow or next week. We're, we're, we're talking about something that uh, we need to develop and, and, and create and uh, really get together with over the next month or two or three or six. So can you imagine taking a leadership approach by getting everybody involved, by facilitating communication when there's a fire in the building? No, <laughs> not okay. at so, all. Not at all, right? So that's when a manager needs to take charge and say, everybody get out of the building now. That's management. And, and I'm oversimplifying, of course, but... sure. Um, but that's not it. Management is, is there. You become a manager or you behave as a manager when there's an immediate problem to fix or solve. And you as the manager don't have time to help your employees develop the solution. You act in a leadership role where you want to, where it's about relationships, where it's about developing people, where it's about thinking in the future where it's about bringing people to places they never thought they could get to on their own. So if it's an immediate need, it's probably, you probably want to behave as a manager. Mm. If it's a longer-term, strategic, visionary, forward-thinking situation, you probably have the opportunity to behave as a leader. Mm. Interesting. And I think um, you know, for a lot of us, we tend to maybe default or have strengths in one of these two areas. And I, I don't think I'm going out on a huge limb here, Bill, based on the work you do is that, you know, for a lot of us, we, we do tend to trend toward management. I know I have in my career um, because that sometimes tends to be just more linear and simpler to think of, but that these leadership activities are absolutely learnable and that we can get a lot better at them. Well, we can. So let's use the example here, Dave, of uh, a very proactive manager who wants to be a leader and their current behavior mindset is that, well, if I help John, if I help Joe, if I help Mary, if I help Sue, if I help Charlie solve all these problems, then they'll get done what they need to get done and I can be more productive. Well, what the manager does is they are the ones solving the problem. They're not developing, they're not teaching, they're not training, they're not preparing the, I forget the names I use, but John, Joe, Sally, Mary, whomever, yeah. to think on their own for when this problem or a similar situation comes up in the future and empower them and give them the confidence that they can figure it out on their own. Mm. What happens is that Charlie and Mary and Joe, and they all come back to, to you as the manager and say, well, now I have this problem, which is only like 2% or 2 degrees off the original problem. But they say, I have this problem. What should I do? Okay, well, let me go into fix-it mode again, says the manager. The leader says, all right, well, let's take this as an opportunity to help you learn and grow. What do you want the desired outcome to be? What have you tried? What has worked? What hasn't worked? If you approach this from a slightly different point of view, what ideas do you have that would address this and prevent this from happening in the future? 
So it's really about, which is a lot of what I do as a coach, but it's about asking questions and empowering, enabling people to think. Mm. That's to, great. To develop the answer on their own, or at least to explore it. That, that's great, Bill. And I think you've just articulated probably one of the most common things that I see new managers in particular struggle with is wanting to jump in and do it their way or do it the way they know is best because maybe they did that job before or maybe even are still doing a part of it. And I know for, I can only speak for myself, Bill, but when I've done that, I, I think it comes from a place of selfishness in a big way. It's like, we want to do it our way. We want to be the hero. Um, and it, it really does take a mind shift change in order to lead. It takes, frankly, more time on the front end, but in the long run, it's just such a rewarding thing for the people that we're leading if we can take that leadership perspective on it. Well, that's exactly right. And I, I don't know if selfish is, is, is the right term or not. I don't have one to replace it, Dave, but you know, I, I don't want your listeners to tune this out and say, oh, well, if I do that, that means I'm selfish and I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be perceived as selfish. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm purely I, speaking I, for myself there. That's just been my experience. If I look back and I really examine kind of my motivations, I, I think for me at least, there's some selfishness there on times I've done that of, you know, wanting to be the person who got it done right and wanting to be the person that said, you know, I dotted the I or crossed the T. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's a trap, you know, some of us can fall into. Certainly I have. If you want to create an impact, if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to grow and develop other people and, and get the satisfaction when they have the aha moment, because you have empowered that, you've enabled that, you've helped them realize that. That's what a leader does. So if you're motivated by that, then be a leader. If you're motivated and you get charged up by fixing things and solving things and moving things along in an orderly fashion, and there's nothing wrong with that. We need that. Be a manager. Hmm. Bill, I know that one of the things that you're a big advocate for of is leaders being willing to be open and being willing to be coachable. Speak a little more to that and why that's so important as a leader to have that. Of course. It, it, uh, for a leader to have that, they are saying to themselves that I don't have all the answers. They're saying to themselves, there's got to be a better thought on this out there that I just haven't been able to access myself. There's, there's got to be a willingness to examine your own blind spots. And let's face it, Dave, we all have blind spots. For sure. And for a leader, not to, for anybody for that matter, but for anybody not to be able to be willing to examine their blind spots, to think a little differently, that's a limiting belief. And that's going to keep them stuck rather than grow them. And they will, unfortunately, they will see others pass them by and they'll look back and they'll wonder why that happened. And they'll generally say, well, they were lucky they were in the right position at the right time, the right place at the right time, or, or they were buttering up that leader and that's how they got that promotion. No, 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 no. It's all about, so here's the distinction I make, Dave. If people who are willing to be coached, and you, you, you use the term coachable, 
are willing to hear feedback, are willing to hear perspective, and take it in and do something with it. Mm. The people who aren't, and you can't see me now, but I'm putting up my hands with my palms out. And the people who aren't willing to do that are pushing people away. They take the, the victim approach. Well, you don't understand. You don't understand the situation, or you don't understand what so-and-so did, and I had to react this way. You don't understand. You don't understand. It's all about other people as opposed to them. One way that leaders can get past that is by working with a coach, either someone who does it professionally like you do, Bill, or, uh, or just working with someone that'd be willing to coach them or provide some coaching. And so I was wondering if you could kind of give some perspective on how that works and why that's helpful and why that's valuable for leaders. Sure. Well, coaching really, it's a, it's a process of transformation. It's not an event. So the transformation, as you know, doesn't happen once. It happens over the course of several times. And a good coaching session uh, somebody will always walk out with at least one or more significant breakthroughs that when those are combined over time will create that transformation. Mm-hmm. So for example, I use a, an approach where, and I saw this on, on, you've used this quote before by Albert Einstein that you can't apply the same level of thinking to solve a problem as got you into the problem in the first place. Yep, that's a great quote. And I didn't quote that right, but that's, that's close uh, enough. the essence of it. <laughs> it's close enough. Um, so if, if you as a leader are not willing to have somebody come alongside you and help you explore that at a different level by asking questions, then you're not getting the most that you can get. You um, top leaders who attempt to handle all the stress and the demands that come with their position by themselves and only by themselves, what's going to result is burnout. It's, 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 that's the only thing that's possible. It's going to be burnout. It's going to be poor decisions. And they're going to create an environment where employees are not engaged. They're not performing at high levels. They're not initiating things. They're not thinking of new things. They're just doing what's necessary to get by. Who wants to work for a leader like that? Yeah. The term engagement, that's a term we've been hearing a lot over the last five or 10 years. And it's, it's one of those trendy words right now. Speaking of trends, you, know, you, you work with a lot of senior level people, Bill. I'm, I'm just curious, you know, with your experience and your wisdom, what, what are some of the trends you're seeing right now with leaders that are, are obstacles for people and are real things that are people are dealing with and struggling with that you know maybe are top of mind for leaders right now or maybe new things that you haven't necessarily seen you know 15, 20 years ago? Sure. I think the, one of the biggest challenges that leaders have today is an apparent lack of ability to focus on a few and only a few key things. Hmm, interesting. As I, as I work with leaders, what I try to do at some point at the right point in time is have them imagine their time in a circle with a maximum of four quadrants. If that's, I don't even know if that's geometrically co- correct, but a 
circle with quadrants doesn't sound correct. Yeah. You get the idea. So yeah. think of a I, I, I'm not a math person, so that so you're <laughs> the math people are probably <laughs> the the mathematicians in the audience are probably just drove off the road. But that that's okay. Yeah, it's all I, good. I, I apologize. You know, send, your, uh, send your deductible to me, and I'll take care of it. Uh, no, I, anyway, um, so in in these four slices or quadrants, if you can throw everything that you you alone as the leader can do or should do to move your organization forward, what would those four things be? Mm. And what I try to do is, is say that it's all about directing. It's all about, it's about relationship building. It's about strategy. It's about developing people. And yet there's a little bit of work that you have to do. But another great line from Peter Drucker is no good leader puts off to tomorrow what they can delegate today. And I just love that line. And a lot of the people that I coach love that line too. And, and it kind of empowers them. And, and the leader who is the one who is left in the office and is there at seven or eight o'clock at night where everybody else on their team has gone home at five, they're not delegating. Yeah. They're not empowering their people. They're not trusting their people. And if those folks aren't performing, well, you know, either train them up Spend the resources to train them up, fix it, or find new people. Mm. I, I love that uh, that visual of those four things, and it it really gets to the essence of. I think I mentioned this on the show before. If you know, if everything's important, nothing's important, and exactly. it's yeah. it's you have to have those key priorities. And if you don't have them, then it's just like. It's kind of like, I feel like it's almost like sitting on email all day or Twitter one of the social networks. You know, it's it's so easy to get overwhelmed with things coming at you in a leadership role and in today's world with just the amount of technology and media and information we have coming at us in any given day and if we don't know what those three or four or five things are on a fairly regular basis, it it is it is going to have us dead in the water as a, over time as a as a leader. It really does, and, and I think that's, a, that's, that's the prime reason why so many leaders today can't focus. It's because all these other vehicles are, are clamoring for their attention. Mm. Yeah. And when we get sucked up in it, we just get sucked up in it. So what I do is when I work with a leader, I also work with their admin assistant. Sometimes. Oh, smart. And... I, I, I work with the admin assistant to say, okay, well, Dave wants to spend 25 of his, uh, 25% of his time dealing with strategy. He wants to spend 25% of his time or 30% of his time building relationships with um, key stakeholders out in the marketplace or whatever it is. So when you, admin assistant, get a request for Dave's time and you're looking to fill out his calendar because after all, you're the one who manages his time, I want you to think in terms of these chunks of time. And I also want you to think of people on that leader staff who can, uh, where, where these requests can be delegated to without your leader even knowing about it. And mm. um, so it, it really comes out to be a, a combined effort and an intentional effort. And Dave, it is so hard to change behaviors. You can't, turn it on a dime. You can't change something you've been doing for years and years overnight. It just can't happen. I'm, and that's another reason why coaching and regular coaching can be effective because it helps somebody learn 
some new behaviors or figure out some ways to do some things on their own that they never thought they could do before. Cool. I'm so glad you mentioned executive uh, assistants and administrative assistants. I've I've been really fortunate over my career and my work with Dale Carnegie that I've been able to work with a whole bunch of folks in, in that um, in that profession. And I, I think they are often um, the value that a great executive assistant provides to an organization and to a leader is unfortunately often undervalued. And it is really such a critical role for a leader of developing that person, having a great relationship with that person. And, and it really is just um, f- for folks who do that well, it's just they have such an art about how they can help the organization be effective. So uh, good reminder for all of us, any of us who work with uh, any kind of administrative or executive assistant, the, the importance of that person and having that person in a, in, involved in the conversation. Um, hey, Bill, I could talk to you for another hour, but before I let you go, um, the one thing one thing I wanted to ask you is: I know you're affiliated with John Maxwell and his organization, and you're you've gone through a certification process. I'm just I'm just curious if you could share with me. I mean, he's just such a well respected leader. He's written so many great books and so valuable to so many people. I've been fortunate to read a couple of them. I haven't read the one you mentioned earlier yet, um, but I'm going to have to get that one. What's the biggest thing you've learned from him that's helped inform you as an executive coach and a leader? So if, there's, if I had to boil it down to only one thing, and it's really hard to do with John Maxwell's stuff, it's, it's, a lot of it is so valuable, but if it only was one thing, it would be to intentionally learn and continue growing. And I mentioned this earlier that, that if you stop growing, you die. And I probably picked that up from John. And I heard a quote from Brian Tracy a while back that, you know, I may get this wrong, but I think the message is right, that the top 1% of successful entrepreneurs or 10% or whatever it is, take 10% of their income and spend it on their own self-development. And when I heard that, I was blown away because I was looking at my own self-development. <laughs> it was far from that. Yeah. I've changed since then. I've become a believer, and it's, so, so, it's been so, so valuable to me. Hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. So anyway, the, the one thing from John Maxwell, continue to be on an intentional path of learning and growing. Pick one thing you want to be an expert at, and do all that you can to... To, to develop your, not just your knowledge base, but your level of expertise. Talk to people who are better than that, better than you in that field that you want to be an expert in. Surround yourself with people who are better than you, not who are your equals or less than you. Bill Bliss is an executive coach with Bliss and Associates. You can find him on the web at blissassociates.com. Bill, I'm so glad that you joined me for the conversation today. Thanks so much for accepting my invitation. My pleasure, Dave. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, a few links that will be helpful to you to get the most out of this episode. The most important one is that document that Bill and I referred to during our conversation. Bill was really gracious to share that with our community. And so it is available for you to download that distinction between leadership and management. It's just a one-page PDF. And I've made it available, thanks to Bill, at coachingforleaders.com slash LVM. 
as I mentioned in the interview. So that's leadership versus management is what it stands for, but it's coachingforleaders.com slash LVM is where you can get it. And if you are a subscriber to the weekly update, you don't even need to remember that link because there will be the link for that in the weekly update that comes on Wednesdays. So watch for that. And also, if you have something you'd like to add to the conversation or maybe something you disagree with that Bill and I or uh, either of us had mentioned in the conversation, I'd really love to hear your feedback on that too. And the best way to join the conversation is to go right to the link for this episode's show notes, and that is at coachingforleaders.com slash 118. And at the very bottom of the page there, there is a form that you can jump in and join the conversation. And again, for those of you who subscribe to the weekly update, there's a link always at the bottom of the update uh, here going forward to join the conversation as well. Hey, I mentioned at the top of the show that there's going to be a all request question and answer uh, show coming up here, and it's going to be episode number 120, which is going to air, let's see here, in two weeks. So if you have a question that maybe you've been thinking about as you've been listening to this show for the last few weeks or few months, uh, maybe uh, you've even emailed me about it before or would something you'd like perspective on that's related to human relations, communication, personal productivity, leadership management, what we talked about today, anything people skills related to influencing others is fair game. I would love to include it on episode 120 and consider it for that episode. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm going to get to as many of those questions as I can. I might even ask Bonnie to join me depending on what questions come up. And so you can submit your question now, and the best way to do that is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback, and you can record your question there. You have up to 90 seconds of audio on that page to record a question. It'll send it right to me, and that way I can include it and consider it for episode number 120 here coming up in two weeks. So please submit your questions in advance, and uh, I'd love to be able to address as many as possible and to be able to get uh, get some direction on resources, tools, things that are out there that'll help with questions, even if it's not something I know the answer to. Uh, make sure to get as many resources out there as possible for all of us as we head into the last part of the year here. And speaking of which, you know, the holidays are coming up, as I mentioned on a previous episode, and I've done some talking about that before the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States. And, you know, one final thought this week before I let you go is, you know, the song, The Little Drummer Boy, you heard that before? It's a holiday Christmassy song. There are a few things that make my skin crawl quite as much as having to hear that song every holiday season. I have just never liked that song at all. The reason I mention this is because I came across a link online this week from a group called Pentatonix, which apparently, I think that's how you pronounce the name, apparently is fairly popular, and they recorded this amazing acapella version of The Little Drummer Boy. And I listened to it and I thought, wow, that didn't make my skin crawl. It actually made me smile a whole bunch. And so I think you'll like it too. I'm going to include the video in the show notes for you and also in the weekly update. I hope it makes you smile too. Hey, thank you to Nick Eady, Steve Karoom, Ladigia Carr, Puneet Sharma, Randy Franklin, 
Rhonda McCoy, Sarat Prim, PVS Narayanan, and Bill Bliss. Hey, Bill, thanks, who've subscribed to my weekly update this past week. I mentioned uh, the weekly update comes every Wednesday, gives you a booster shot with an article between the shows on how to lead better by giving you some good advice on communication, human relations, and personal productivity. Plus, now you've heard it also includes the notes for this episode and all the links each week for the episode and what we talk about on the podcast. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox as well, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe and you'll start getting those on Wednesdays. Plus, as soon as you subscribe, you get access right away to my video overview and a downloadable guide, uh, uh, kind of an eight or nine page PDF on the 10 leadership books that I think will help you to get better results from others. So definitely check that out if that is something that's of interest to you. Hey, a huge thank you this week to Mabo Steinart, Chuchapool, and Fran McClure for the really kind recent reviews that you've written on iTunes. I so appreciate that. You know, one of the reasons this audience and this community continues to grow is because a number of you have been really kind to write some wonderful reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and the audio networks. And so thank you to the three of you. I so appreciate it. And if this show has been helpful to you as well, and you have two minutes, please leave a written review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher, depending on which directory you prefer. Hey, I hope you have a great week and uh, see you for episode 119. Remember to get your questions in for episode 120. See you next week.